Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson. In a minute, I'm going to be joined my, by uh, my co-host, Mr. Mike Casaza. We've got a little special treat today. i got a little bit of a surprise. A couple weeks ago, Mike uh, kind of sprung on me some NCAA violations that uh, West Virginia quote-unquote committed. Um, little little surprise for me at the end, wanted to get my reaction. So I'm going to turn the tables on him today. And we're going to kind of devote an entire podcast to uh, some questions for him that he has no idea that he's going to get. So uh, Mike, uh, Mike the Mouth Casaza, first mm. off, how, how are things going with your full-time transition to radio host personality? Well, no one cares because I'm not getting any breaks in my house. I still have a kitchen and a bathroom going in. Um, we're in week four of what should have been a two-week deal. Um, so that's not helping me out at all. And it's kind of cool on campus right now. There's, a, there's like a fun energy because we don't ha- quite have the 30,000 people who will be here, extra people who will be here come Wednesday. Um, but there's a lot of people on campus and moving around, and it's beautiful out right now. I left my house in the morning and they were practicing on the football field and um, I looked and just the look on the practice field was different. It wasn't 110 people all doing the same thing. It looked like they were going forward with some stuff, which you and I know is underway and out of sight right now, but you can kind of tell that it's a smaller group they're working with. And that was just a quick observation, but um, and by and large, it kind of feels like game of Thrones season eight, the long night, you know, um, we're kind of wondering if, we're ready <laughs> for what's going to happen when, again, 30,000 people invade this town in a couple of days. But there's yeah. a whole lot going on right now, and, and it's kind of cool before things get really out of control uh, not too long from now. Well, I, I joked there just a minute ago about you becoming a full-time radio host. Uh, it's a little message board humor for those who don't who, who do know. Mike also writes articles, several of them, many of them, uh, almost all of them very, very good, and has been doing that for a long time. Um, uh, and that along with a couple questions that we've seen on the board that we've received privately kind of spurred this idea for today's podcast. I wanted to kind of dig into your side of things, how you, you know, your job, where it comes from, uh, or what, how you approach things. Uh, because like I said, we, we've got a lot of questions, some, some very curious questions, some that, uh, I think a lot of people would be very interested in. Um, we'll get to that one in a minute. The the sources question, I think, is what people are going to be most interested in. But we'll start with, with Mike. We're going to focus on your past, how you got before CBS, before Ear Sports, what your history, you know, after what what happened between top uh, top honors at Capital J Journalism School at WVU and CBS. Mike, run us through that. Holy cow. Um, that's going to be difficult. This is kind of like my first homework assignment for what well, I give my students when, well, I guess we didn't even mention this. I'm actually like a part-time professor, adjunct professor. And like the first homework assignment is just so they know who's talking to them is, hey, who's talking to you? And part of the thing is that you have to learn how to research and figure out who you're talking to because you have to do that with anybody you interview. If you're going to talk to a receiver or an assistant coach or a donor or a fundraiser, you should probably know who you're talking to, so you have to do research. So I'm probably going to be doing cliff notes here for that. If by any chance one of my students, one, knows who I am, and two, listens to the podcast, which are not great odds, probably. Um, 
it, there's no short answer. It's it's like we're talking twenty some years of this now because I started very young, like sixteen years old, doing theater stuff at a newspaper just because I wanted to write. Um, and then I finally like climbed the ladder and did sports. But like I went to journalism school, which a lot of people don't do anymore, or not as many people as probably should, because the access to getting into quote unquote journalism is so much easier now. You can start your own thing and do your own thing, and there's good and bad to that. But I think you need some education and some refinement. So uh, I did that, and the journalism school was and still is excellent. It's not called the journalism school now. It's called the College of Media because everything has shifted. Um, so my short answer to your question that's now going down like a minute and a half long <laughs> is that it's constantly evolved. I went from newspapers to dot-coms. I taught along the way. I kind of self-taught a lot of things that I think I'm good at and I know I could be better at like video or editing video or doing podcasts or editing podcasts. Um, I kind of caught all that stuff as it was happening. Like it popped on my desk like, hey, you should do uh, a blog. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I started it and then I changed newspapers and then it was, tell me about this blog. What is a blog? And then it was kind of an uphill battle anywhere, but I kind of caught the weird time where everything was in transition and, you know, it wasn't black and white anymore. Um, it was black and white with moving pictures and, you know, you can't press play on an audio file or a video file on page B1 of the newspaper, but you can do it on a bookmark on a website. So I, I kind of caught everything as different media was converging and hang on and see where it goes, basically. Well, I've rambled there before this. Uh, but the the first question that kind of caught my mind or the first comment on the message boards was something uh, about one of the early press conferences during one of the early interviews. And it was something to the effect of how you individually seem to be asking the questions that most people want to know at these press conferences and that maybe, maybe not um, some other entities, outlets, personas uh, kind of piggyback off of that, um, or it just gets put out there for everybody to use in video form. And it it's interesting to me, because I think not only for myself as somebody who's also trying to get better, but for anybody that wants to be an aspiring uh, journalist or media reporter, whatever you want to call it, how do you prepare for that? Because when you go back and you look at these interviews, when you look at these press conferences and you listen to them, uh, even even your boy Neil, uh, that's Neil Brown to the rest of us who are not mm. BFFs with the head coach. Um, he, he's called you out for some great questions during these press conferences. What kind of preparation goes into this? What do you think? Do you have ideas as you're going in? Do you have? Uh, do they just kind of pop up when you're there? Yes and no. Like, I think you have to have a script, so to speak. Um, again, you don't go to the grocery store, or you don't go on vacation, or with one exception, you don't go to a podcast, not having any idea what you're doing, right? <laughs> so you have to kind of know, otherwise you're gonna waste your time. And if I would feel kind of hollow if I was just holding a video camera or a tape recorder, and I was only gonna upload that and share that with the world. If I didn't contribute to it anyway, what am I doing with my time? Why am I there? So I try to make the most of it. Um, part of it is this experience, like I'm better at this now than I was when I was 21, I hope. Um, and part of it is just curiosity. Like, I want to know stuff. Um, we, like, we complain about access and how we can't see stuff. But I think in some degree that's good because it makes us ask questions and look underneath stuff and look around stuff and look 
through stuff and try to figure out what's actually happening. Like, what aren't they telling me and why don't I know more about this? And those little occasions that you get to ask questions, that's where you can address that stuff. So um, part of it is just curiosity. Part of it is just experience. And part of it is I got to write like 90 things a month, too. So (laughs) if I'm not asking the questions, who else is? And I'm also like really competitive, like like stupidly competitive. I don't like it when people get an idea that I don't have. And I don't like it when people take an idea of mine that they didn't have. And I look at what other people do. And if I think they did a good job at something – man, I should do something like that, or I should extend this idea, or I should apply this to something else. And conversely, like, eh, that wasn't a very good job. You know, that person could have done better. That person could have filled in more of the blanks, and then maybe I'll take it. So I I read a lot and listen a lot. But part of it's just like being a fan of stuff. Like, I like sports, and I like to read about sports and write about sports. And if um, if I was not curious or if I wasn't fulfilling those curiosities, I don't think it'd be very fun. For those who don't know, with these these media gaggles uh, for the interviews, everybody just kind of piles into the West Virginia football team room, and a couple assistant coaches or a couple players come into the room, and then uh, the media splits up. But there's typically what, 10, 12 guys at each at each coach, at each player, depending on how many are out there. And you, what your approach is more trying to stay out of the way until you can get them one-on-one what what are those conversations like how, do, how does that help you rapport is one because if you get to know somebody early and you spend time with them i mean really a, a, a couple times a month for a couple months a year for a couple years you get to know some people like beyond just i ask the questions you answer them you get to know their names and what their classes are like stuff like that it's not just hey, hey you're a football player talking to this microphone so i try to like just get facetime with anybody um i mean you would do the same right like if you're talking to recruits or whatever you want to know them so right. it's the same thing i think it's it's i mean we, we do the same work there um i like to listen to what people have to say so even like when there is that crowd of like 12 to 15 people around one player um i don't know how much good stuff they're going to say because they know that they're on camera and they know that what they're going to say is going to be plastered all over the internet and they don't give you good answers. Like, honestly, like look at some of those interviews that are online. I don't mean anything against the players, but like they're really polished and they're really even around the edges and they don't say anything that's jagged or any way disruptive or sometimes frankly interesting. I don't blame it because if you're on camera, how do you want to look? You want to look really good. You want to look sharp. And if people are going to see that, you know, all across social media, you're going to say like the thing that you've seen so many other people say, because you've watched a football player give an interview and you know what it's supposed to quote unquote look like. And the players are kind of programmed to do that. Um, when the cameras are away and when it's just one or two people, naturally people are much more um, relaxed and they take their guard down and they talk to you. Like, I don't like being around cameras because they make people uncomfortable, I think. Um, and especially if you're like a 17 or 18 year old kid, like you're not going to give a good answer because you're worried about how your hair looks. Is my shirt tucked in? Uh, did I wipe my face after lunch? Stuff like that. You're not worried about the answer. So, again, I understand those people got to do their job. I don't get in their way, and they don't really get in mine. I just wait till they're out of there because I'd much rather hang out with one person or two people than I would 20 people who are asking two questions and 20 people are getting the answers. If I ask a question or if, you know, the other person who's with me asks, asks the question, then only two or three people get the answer, and then only two or three people are writing that story. And that's like our constant battle, right? How do we – differentiate and distinguish ourselves you got to get unique stuff and you get unique stuff by getting to know people and getting them in comfortable situations 
the getting to know people part, I think, is is what's going to lead us to the big question here. One that uh, we re- you received privately on the message board about. It's a really good question. Really it it question. really was, um, and I don't know if the user wants his name out there. Um, he can he can speak up on the board if he'd like, but I, I thought it was good. I'm going to read it directly from, or at least the start. Uh, directly from the message he sent you because i agree i think it's great i think it's it's very interesting it's a delicate situation um or kind of a tango toe in the line here trying to figure out how to do it but here you go how do you go about this is to mike how do you go about getting an internal source for the program who can prognosticate information safely and to add to that our source is typically given a quote-unquote green light to pass along information or is it seen as negative by others within the program I'll start. I'll stop there, and we can kind of hit the other parts of his his question because there are there are multiple parts to it. But that's the first one. Where do yeah, you stand on that? It's loaded. I mean, it's a great question. That again, I think we talked about this. We could devote a whole episode to because we're kind of doing that. But um, I, the one the one thing is that like I, I don't know. This is this is going to sound bad. I just don't care what anybody thinks about me. So like I don't have a hard time calling someone or texting someone and asking them a question if they don't if they don't want to answer it they can answer my question that's fine typically they tell me that um i don't really have a lot of time or respect for people who just don't answer me who just like see the text and go eh, and don't do that because it's not hard to say no or i can't tell you or i'm not going to tell you so one is just to kind of get over yourself and realize you kind of have to do your job and you're not going to be popular if it was a popular co- popularity contest one i would have lost a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> And I wouldn't be any good at this either. So, and I, I mean, that goes for anybody. Like if you're good at it, you're going to, you're going to bug people and you're going to have to ask hard questions. So um, that's the one thing too. How do you get into it? You know, how do you get an internal source? You, you got to shoot, you got to call people and text people and email people and everything. Um, and, and just that right there, like before you kind of had to have FaceTime with people because they didn't have cell phones before. And now they have cell phones and you can text them. But now they can also get email on their cell phone. And now they also have Twitter on their cell phone. So there's five or six different ways to get in touch with people now where that wasn't the case before. So it's easier. Like before you had to get people like in a quiet corner of a room um, and see if they would talk to you. Typically, people do not have a quote unquote green light, which is a really good. I think that's a really good point, Um, because how do you know what type of information you're getting? Where is it coming from? Like I don't report anything and you you don't report anything. We bounce these things off each other all the time um, unless we can like authenticate it. And sometimes you have to go really high up to get someone who can say, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, like the person who can give you that green light or that thumbs up, they don't want you to know. That's why you're trying to find the information and trying to write the story or break the news. Cause that person who can give you the yes, doesn't want you to know. So you have to find ways around that, which means you're not often going to get the green light. You're going to have to talk to people who understand like, man, Mike, I could get in trouble if anybody finds out that I'm telling you this or man, if they check my cell phone, I'm going to be in trouble because I answered your text. So you really have to work around the edges and you kind of have to sneak in a little bit and, and be shady, which is the hard part about this because the connotation is that you're snooping around and you're up to something and you're sneaky, um, which is kind of true. But like, I, I kind of think that like I do it for the best intentions, but like my best intention is to tell people what's up. And while people who read or listen to this, um, they might appreciate that. The truth is that the people who I'm pulling that information from or the people who I'm, you know, kind of 
running around to get the information that they're hiding, <laughs> they don't appreciate that quite often. And it leads to some pretty difficult situations and conversations sometimes. So is this why when uh, a certain high-ranking WVU official saw you and I having dinner at Kegler's earlier this summer, uh, just shook his head and asked what I was doing with you? Yeah, asked I knew something what... was going on. <laughs> well, I mean, this is what's weird, too. Like, again, this goes back to old stuff. But, like, I used to... I, I, when I say used to, I don't mean that like I no longer will or don't now. I just don't know these football coaches. Um, but like, and that, that hopefully will change. But I knew the previous staff really well. Um, and then I got to know John Beeline's staff really well. Like his first day on the job was my first day on the job. And I was like the only person covering basketball on a daily basis back then, doing stuff like walk-on tryouts, which you wouldn't even think about now. Um, but just, I want to be around and cover it. So I just got used to being around people and talking to people, but you, you could be out in public and see somebody and talk to somebody now, but like we have this weird wall now, uh, that's gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> we've built a, we've built a wall in between media and the people who cover or the people we cover. And that's kind of weird. Right. But like, I felt like it was significant in the past couple of years where there was a divide in between and you couldn't really talk to people and you couldn't really get to know people and it was hard because they weren't available and you know if so-and-so found out that i was talking to you i'd be in trouble that should never be the case man there should never be an issue with talking to somebody or answering a question like and why am i so bad or why are we so bad we just want to know what's going on you're the ones who have the power to tell us stuff like that um, and again it's it's a hard thing to fight it really is like it's a hard thing to get people to take a chance to talk to you and confide in you um because there are, like I said now, there's just a, a, a stigma attached to some of these things where you're up to no good and you're snooping around. And, boy, if you see a coach and a reporter or an athletic director and a reporter or even two reporters from the same staff working <laughs> together on something, man, they're up to something. What's going on with them? Uh, we, were, we were up to wings and, and, and a couple beers, I think, is what all we were up to that day. Okay. But uh, I think the next part of the question you, you've pretty much addressed was the are the sources – higher up the quote totem pole are they more insulated lower lower tier individuals i think the answer is both i, th I think you've kind of covered that you you have yeah. to have both yeah like so the person who has the secret is at the core and that person is surrounded <laughs> by people who don't want you to get to the core so you have to work stories from the periphery and and i tell students this and i tell my like people who ask me this question all the time, like you need to know sure who the coaches are and the players are, but like parents and trainers and sports information people and just those periphery people who are around a lot and know stuff. Like I'm not saying that like a sports information director gives me the heads up on a contract extension, but like you can talk to people and get information from people and you have no idea how like enlightening it is sometimes just like how, like what they see and what they know because you're not around. And they are. And it just it colors things in for you so much. And if you put enough of those things together, you get a really good picture. Um, and like the quote unquote sources who break stories for you. I, I, I think people will be frankly shocked by the identity of some of the people. And you, I mean, I, I tell you who I'm talking to on stuff. But like, it's not people you think about. It's not like if it's something that's going on with a team that's an injury. It's not an athletic trainer who's telling me because of HIPAA laws. They can't. You know, it's right. not a coach who's telling me because. He does not want me to know that. Like, but there's people who are around who know stuff, and you have to do that. Like, you you have to know, you know, like it's like a football field. It's 100 yards long and it's 53 and a third yards wide. But like, you got to know the whole field, otherwise, everybody knows what you're doing, and they're going to be able to shut you down pretty quickly. 
Yeah, I think uh, speaking of the trainers and the injuries, there was before you came along, there was a stretch there where I had I had put the news out there on on four straight injuries that happened in practice, and I got a call from a, a certain fairly high ranking person under the previous staff asking me which trainer I was talking to, and, and just like you said, that's too obvious. That's not going to be who it is. That's not going to be the one who's who's sharing that information, and. I did not obviously not tell who the source was, but I told him I could give you a hundred guesses and you would never guess who it was. Cause that, I think that's the point. You, you got to spread it out. You got to have numerous sources across all levels, across all specialties. And that's how you get there. But it, where it, this isn't part of the question, but I'm starting to think about it now when I, I was remembering that story, cause there was another part to it uh, that I won't get into, but how do you, how do you address or, or differentiate or whatever you want to do, parse through information that is obvious that the source wants out there and you feel like there is a reason that this source wants this information out there? How do you approach those kind of situations? Like we're, you and I are dealing with this in a very obvious manner right now. <laughs> with one, with one thing that's going on that like – and the person says, you need to write this, you need to write this. And I'm like, hey – you're the only person telling me this, right? And I don't hear this from anybody else. So, like, not, I, I'm not trying to be like a tease here, but like, that's a really relevant example because if only one person is telling me this, that's weird. Like, if it, it's it's not probably true, or it's at least uh, shaped for an agenda, so something is wrong there, right? But sometimes only one thing is true, and maybe only one person tells you that can actually add up. Like there is really only one version of the truth. And sometimes you get the right person to tell you. Um, like there's, I mean, a lot of instances in the past, like I knew stuff was going on and I didn't know like what exactly I could believe or who I could believe, but like, cause I was only hearing one version of the story and it turned out that like, that was the actual true version. Um, so again, you have to vet it. Like you really have to check it and figure it out. So um, let's just go over the whole, like the most recent thing, which was um, whether or not Rayshon Lynn and Osita Smith would enroll. Um, and I went over this earlier on a podcast, but like they have a camp roster. And if you're not on that 110 person camp roster, you're not going to be in camp. And like, I knew that like the, those guys weren't on the roster. So guess what? They're probably not coming. I don't know how or why people decided to report otherwise, but who was telling them that and what was their information based off of? Because if you're not on the 110, you're not going to be in camp. So if one person is telling me, listen, these two guys aren't going to be here, and then other people are getting different versions of the story out, that kind of goes to what you're talking about. How do you know what's true? How do you know what's not true? you got to have the right information. you got to figure out, again, it goes back to who you're talking to and who's talking to you and whether or not you can trust them. Like, if man, if I get something wrong because of a person, I pretty much – get rid of that person as a source nothing against that person it's just that like i can't you know honestly or reliably or securely report ever again because i'd always be worried what that person told me is it true is it true is it false who knows and like i'd feel really weird anytime that i had something out there that person told me because i wouldn't know which means there's a better way to do it all right mike how many how many stories how many tips over the last six months or eight months let's say since since neil brown's been hired how many tips how many stories how many leads do you have you gotten have we gotten that you think we've passed like a percentage wise that we've passed on are still investigating 
or our reporting? What, what would you say the split oh, is there? Because <laughs> I don't think people understand it. Because I feel like the number is pretty high on the we've heard something, but okay. it's not ready to report. Yeah, I would say like prob- we probably use like 20% of the information we get. Is that accurate? I, I think so. I yeah. was going to say 30, but yeah, 20, 30, somewhere okay. in that range. Call it like a quarter of the information. Because one, this is, this is the cool thing about working here now is it's much more interactive um, and newspapers aren't really set up to be interactive. Um, they're just not like the, the population and the, the circulation is just totally different. And as opposed to a team specific college sport website, like that's pretty much refined to a point and people who subscribe or who pay or who post or who read, they're really invested in stuff and they want to know. So it's, it's pretty cool that it's very interactive and it's back and forth. And like, I like talking to people on the boards and people always send me messages on my inbox or whatever. And just through that, I mean, I've gotten just to know a handful of, I'm not going to say like what type of people these are, but like really reliable people who know things and see things and hear things. Um, and that's good. But like a lot of it is sometimes is Hey, I heard about this. Like that's how we heard that Mike Brown was injured. I don't know how injured Mike Brown is, but he missed some practices. And then we find out that uh, they moved um, the the center and the right guard moved around. And that happened at the same time that Mike Brown was hurt. I don't think Mike Brown is terribly injured, by the way. I think it's pretty minor. So before I light anything on fire, (laughs) let me just put that out right now. But like this this stuff you hear, like, hey, you should check on this. or Hey, you should hear this because people know stuff. But um, before you could ever even do anything with that, um, you find out that, yeah, he did, he got knocked out around practice and he came out. And, um, so sometimes it solves itself, but once you hear that, you realize that the person who told you that is probably worth staying in touch with, but sometimes it's the complete opposite, but we get so much information on things. People want to talk to us and tell us stuff, which I really do like and appreciate. Cause again, I can use all that stuff. Even if I don't use it, I'm still making use of it. Cause I'm asking questions and looking around, but by and large, a lot of it's just kind of like you know, kind of shoved off to the side for future use. I think we're going to wrap things up here in a minute, but for all you aspiring journalists out there uh, to, to kind of summarize here, work hard, work smart, build relationships, and become the president of the Neil, fa- Neil Brown fan club. And that is how you will succeed in this business. Okay? Yeah, and you're going you're gonna to make mistakes too. Like, I kick myself. Like, I really kick myself. I- I'll tell the story now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I said that... Um, uh, I had someone tell me that the receivers coach for the Carolina Panthers was on campus um, and was looking to be the new assistant coach. Um, and I was or new receivers coach. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, so I looked into it and I tried to figure out what was going on. So I had like somebody really reliable tell me this. Um, and I looked into it and I said, okay, is it Jericho Cotri? And the guy said, yeah, Jericho Cotri. I said, all right, cool. So I went and I asked somebody else. I said, hey, have you heard about um, somebody coming in to be the receivers coach? And they said, yeah, I heard um, it was a guy in the NFL and the Panthers, uh, probably Jericho Cotri. I said, oh, okay. So I um, went again and I asked somebody else. <laughs> and again, never gave the name or whatever, but I said, hey, can you tell me about a receivers coach? They said, yeah, I heard that Jericho Cotri was in town. I said, oh, cool. So now i got three people who's telling me that Jericho Cotri is going to be the receiver's coach. And I think that I maybe posted on the board. I didn't write a story about it, but I posted on the board like, hey, here's what I'm hearing. Jericho Cotri could be the receiver's coach. All right, cool. And that was about it. And then, like, immediately people were like, that is not true. Like, some people who were in things said, that's not true. That guy was never here. And what had happened was 
he was one of the two receivers coaches and the other receivers coach who for the life of me, I can't remember his name right now, uh, had been here, but someone had heard, Hey, the receivers coach for the Panthers was here. And that person Googled receivers coach Panthers and it came up Jericho Cotri and it wasn't. And it was the other receivers coach who ended up, I want to say going to Ole Miss, maybe I'm trying to remember. And, and this has been a bad preparation for me. Um, <laughs> But like well, there was there was no pep- preparation. That's the point. Right, right. So like yeah, I guess so. Like what, what had happened was I got the right information that a receivers coach had been interested in the job and there had been an interview, and that someone told me who the receivers coach was because that person looked up who the receivers coach was. So someone had told my source that the receivers coach for the Panthers was here. That person had looked into who the receivers coach was and got a receivers coach, but there were two, and he gave me the wrong name for the receivers coach. So this weird game of telephone, I got it wrong, and I was pissed about it for like a long time like to the point like i was like like just really mad at myself and like kind of pulling the trigger on things that i might normally do i was kind of reserved a little bit because i was like let's make sure i don't make this mistake again because you're gonna make mistakes like if you're out there and you're trying to break stuff you're gonna you're gonna sometimes you know stub your toe you're gonna make mistakes and make errors but like what i kind of figured out was like man don't there's a lot of news going on at that time. And I didn't want to be the person who was getting beat on stuff. So I kind of had to figure out really quickly, like, all right, we made a mistake. Um, not, I mean, understandable as the way I explained it, but like that also means I need to be a little bit more cautious on things because again, these are all new people I'm dealing with. And I just wondered about what it was like. Like if somebody in the football office was reading that story that I, or the little message board post that I had that said, Hey, Jericho Cotri's a candidate. That person probably thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> because I was wrong, right? Uh, and I got the wrong information on stuff. So, like, I was like, all right, I need to be 100% right on stuff now, 100% of the time moving forward. And we have. I don't think we've whiffed on anything since then. But, like, it just – you're going to make mistakes. Like, you try to make small ones, you know, you know, aim big, miss big. But that's not necessarily the case in what we're doing. So, um, just got to get over it and get, get, like, right back out there and get the next one right and sooner rather than later. Uh, Lance Taylor. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So again, and, uh, and I went so, back. I went back to that person. I said, "Hey, do you know who Lance Taylor is?" And the person said, "Yeah, he's the receivers coach for wherever he is now." Um, he's at Notre Dame. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He just got hired at the receiver coach at Notre Dame. I was like, "Yeah, you dummy." That's the person you told me was here. Yeah, I thought I told you that. I was like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> so it just kind of went around like that, and it just again a funny story. But I was really mad about it for a while. So is is that source on the bench for now, or or? after the after that fiasco yeah third string <laughs> all right well mike i appreciate you taking the time to indulge me in my my little game here um i, I think some people like i said we've had a few questions lately so a few comments just seems to be some interest in the profession and 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 the work that you're doing so i, I thought it would be fun for some people to hear about it straight from you and and without you being able to prepare some uh you know stale statements for us i, I wanted to get it off the cuff I know. I don't want to be one of those football players that I just made fun of for being boring. Wouldn't that be bad? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we will be back later this week with more podcasts uh, and, and articles, plenty of articles. Uh, we will be hearing from Neil Brown on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we'll be discussing maybe a depth chart, but at least a travel roster uh, that, that we've been working on, debating who's going to be traveling on our imaginary West Virginia football teams, and, and who knows what else. We, we don't know what this week will bring. This seems to be a big week for news in football. Uh, fall camp is over. Depth charts are kind of sort of finalized. Guys are finding out their roles on the team, whether they're going to redshirt, 
Um, so, so some interesting things could be happening in the next couple of days. Uh, so be sure to check back in at earsports.com and on the Country Roads Confidential Podcast. I am Chris Anderson. I am Mike Casaza. I am working feverishly on my 70-person roster, and I keep getting stuck on 71-72. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening.